0: We don't sugarcoat shit this is renegade talk radio renegade talk radio you're listening to big trouble in little vagina on renegade talk radio hello renegade nation and welcome back for another installment of big trouble in little vagina here on renegade talk radio the program that's dedicated to helping you find the most important, most elusive, and most precious of all things, the perfect orgasm. Now, before we jump into the meat of today's episode, I want to take a moment to remind you that if you're searching on the internet, make sure you're using edgysearch.com. That's ijisearch.com because if you're anything like me and enjoy looking up truly naughty things on the internet, idgisearch.com will eradicate that naughty search history and you won't have to explain that naughty porn search to your better half. Yes, use idgisearch.com and, well, you'll never have to explain that embarrassing browser history to anyone. Well, except for me. But then I'm special. Now, this journey of ours is going to be a long and hard look at sex and relationships. And, yes, some of the topics are going to be very familiar to you. But some will be new and exciting. Either way, I promise you this. There is pleasure everywhere we go together. And if you're wondering who I am, well, I am your goddess of getting it on and the mistress with the mostess, naughty Nicole Delacroix. And the only thing I will ever ask of you, dear listener, is that you keep an open mind, put aside what you think you know, sit back, relax, and we'll walk down this crazy path of life together. And don't forget, orgasms are nature's way of saying, life sucks ass, but hey, here, have some candy. So, my dear heathens, We've spent the past several weeks getting to know each other deeply and intimately. And I, for one, thank you for trusting me. Now that we know each other a little better, it's time that we step back for a moment from the sex side of things and take a look at the relationship side. I know. Now, does this mean that we won't be getting naughty? Hell no. You should know me better than that. Much like Jello, there's always room for naughty. But the time has come where we really do need to take a look at our relationships. So on today's episode of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, we're going to be getting down and dirty with the world of dating. I know. So whether you're already in a committed partnership, or you might still be looking for that one person that makes your toes curl... There's really so much for us to cover with this topic. Just because you found a partner, don't think that today's topic doesn't apply to you. I promise, even if you're in a long-term relationship, taking the time to bring your partner back to the day that you first met and started dating is gonna add a wonderful adventure to your relationship. So we have a wonderful topic today, so let's jump right on in. Ah, dating. It seems like somehow the universe has played this same joke on all of us. And between you and me, it's not a very funny joke. (laughs) That's right. Dating these days can be an excruciating experience. And half the damn time, you don't even know if you're actually dating or not. What was once simple and easily explainable using single-digit binary code, ones and zeros, has now become something that resembles the same decimal equivalent of pi. Yeah, I picked up a math book this week. Sorry. It's going to be all math puns today. We don't even ask each other anymore, are you dating? No. Now, there are just so many different stages that they're hardly distinguishable from each other at least you're the at least when you're the one in the stage, you know what i mean. So, i thought a good place for us to start was from the outside looking in, identifying those stages to help those of us that are single to navigate the convoluted dating scene. And hey, you partnered folks, play along for fun. So, i figure we'll start with that one stage that every single one of us can identify with. Although, none of us have actually experienced it. Ah yes, the one-night stand. Oh, the urgent need for a little sexual healing that promises no strings attached and no frills. Regardless of if you meet on the street or coffee shop or yoga class or a local bar or tavern, That first meeting adds up to just one thing, either a successful or failed one night stand. No matter what the initial intention is, either you're sleeping together or you're not, simply put. This one can be a little dicey, and you should always, always, always worry about safety in this situation. I'm not just talking make sure they aren't a psychopathic homicidal maniac, although you should probably check on that too. Probably a good idea. But, I mean, you don't know this person or their medical history, so you really do need to use every possible protection, no matter how much you don't care for it. Now, I admit, That Not everyone who has a one-night stand starts off looking for a one-night stand, but when that decision has been made to engage in sexual activity early on, then you do have to be smart about it. You have to take into consideration the aftermath of the one-night stand. Sure, the sex part is pretty freaking awesome, but do you stay over? Do you let them sleep over? What happens if they don't leave? There's so much moral judgment when it comes to the one-nighter, and personally, I don't believe in a walk of shame. To me, the walk of shame implies guilt. Like, I should be ashamed of having sex. And personally, I say, fuck that. I'm fantastic in bed, and I'm not going to feel anything but afterglow. But then, of course... Not everybody's me, and most one-night stands happen due to, well, copious amounts of alcohol, which can skew your memory of the event. I'm the first to say that tequila is the bane of my existence, but beyond that. This is where the one-night stand becomes possibly a repeat performance that's where you decide to see that person one more time to try and remember if they were good or bad in bed. You know, kind of refresh your memory. That's when the one-night stand becomes, well, more than a one-night stand. (laughs) You know, when you manage to black out somewhere in the middle of it and can't figure out if it was the best or worst sex in the world and say, fuck it, let's have round two. One night one night stands can sometimes transcend and become something more than a fling, but we'll cover some of that in a moment. For the most part, one night stands and even repeat performances are just two people that are using each other and nothing more. And I'm the first to say that there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're both consenting adults and you're both being safe about it. So What happens when you do make it out of one-night-stand land? Well, then you have four possible outcomes. The first, and an ever-present possibility in any relationship, is dump-fill. Yeah, we've all been there. It's that sad and lonely place where you ask all your friends, what the hell is wrong with me? And none of them will tell you. Just a note, it's the same place that can possibly lead to living alone with multiple cats and should potentially be avoided at all costs. Kidding. I'm just kidding. Some people are perfectly happy living alone with cats. Why is it always cats? Hmm, I guess I'll think about that for a little bit. Sorry, I got a little distracted. (laughs) But there are other possibilities, and they do hold so much more potential for us. Let's say you've actually officially dubbed your one-night stand as worthy of a sexual pursuit, then congratulations! You can now move into booty call territory. Yes, it is now acceptable to text this person at odd hours, preferably when you're intoxicated or about to become intoxicated, and ask them to come over. The booty call is always implied in those texts. You can outright say it, come over and service me, you stallion, or you can be coy and say, How about some Netflix? Either way, the subtext of that text is sex. You know, say that five times fast. Now the booty call can be awkward without alcohol being involved, so it is recommended highly that until you establish an agreement about what the relationship is going to be, that you continue copious use of alcohol as a precursor to the booty call sex. I know. Do your own math on that one. I'm going to let that one fly. (laughs) Another possibility is the friends with benefits. Oh, the friend with benefits. This is a very delicate stage and should not be entered into lightly. This is a stage where you actually matter to the person more than a slab of meat would. You've actually put in the time and effort, and now it's time to get to actually know that person you're, you've been having sex with all this time. Sometimes, not so much. Talking is very important in this stage, but you do have to be careful that you keep the romance out of the situation. Make sure it doesn't rear its ugly head, especially if all you're looking for is a friend with benefit. You're friends, not lovers, so keep the lovey-dovey romance shit to yourself, and whatever you do, do not make eye contact during sex. In fact, when you're done with sex, end it with a really nice handshake or maybe even a high five, and you don't get to be jealous when your friend has other friends. Just letting you know. The last possibility is the date. Now, some of you may not be sure how this happens, but for some reason, you're going out on your first official date. Now, this isn't dating, as in we're seeing other people and we've been committed to being monogamous. This is we're spending some quality time together and we're getting to know each other. I know, it can be very confusing, but really what isn't the first couple of dates are going to be crucial as they're going to be the foundation for what for how you decide you want to re- redefine the relationship either moving forward or severing any romantic ties and seeing if the two of you will be too busy to see each other it's a very tricky stage and and it can lead to either moving forward to any other possible stages, or it could be the end of the round for you too. Now that you've got a few dates under your belt, we've come to another crossroads in the dating landscape, but before we explore these new opportunities, I think it's time we have a little visit to our sponsors. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. I'm Naughty Nicole, and this is Renegade Talk Radio. Meet me back here, my little heathens, after this word from our sponsors. Thanks for asking, but I'd rather not send you nude pictures. I'm camera shy. I already said no. Under my clothes, I'm a robot. My webcam is broken. I'm worried they'll get passed around school. I have a rash. I have nudophobia. I have lizard skin. I'm a vampire, so I don't show up in pictures anyways. Your badgering has really killed the
1: mood. When someone is pressuring you to do something you don't want to, how many ways can you say no
0: before they get the message? Let us know at that'snotcool.com, brought to you by the Ad Council. The talk that makes your body rock. Welcome back my Renegade Nation Heathens. If you're just joining, this is Big Trouble in Little Vagina, and today we're talking about navigating the dating scene. I hope you were using edgysearch.com to check out all the new dating apps and websites that are out there. Now, before the break, we were talking about how things are perceived in this day and age, and what the stages of dating actually look like. When we left off, we had a couple of dates under our belt and we had just come to a crossroads. From the date crossroad, we have several different options, and I'm going to start with the path that, well, unfortunately leads nowhere. I know, it's always there, so we may as well skip down it together, that way it's not too scary. After a few dates, it turns out that maybe you're really not interested in each other. Hey, you enjoy sleeping with each other, and maybe even enjoy each other's company, but you just don't see yourselves together for the long run. There are two forks in a road here. Let's say that the feeling is mutual. You both know that it's not going to last, but you've decided to enjoy it anyway, and have fun while it lasts. Well, this is a fling. Flings are fun, and for the most part, they're harmless. Flings should never be confused with the next stage, though, and that's called the stepping stone. This stage and the fling are pretty much the same, but there's just one very critical difference. With the fling, both people know that things aren't going anywhere, and they've both decided to just have fun. With the stepping stone phase, only one of the partners knows that the relationship is not going to last. That means one of you might be considering the other is a real partner, and the other is thinking you're just a great place to park until someone better comes along. I mean, the sex is good, and they're not in it for the long haul, but they haven't really communicated that part of it yet. Yeah, it's kind of a shitty stage, sorry to say. So... Essentially, this person is a necessary stepping stone before settling with the right person. Yeah, one of you is going to get hurt in the process. And personally, I think if you're too much of a pussy to tell me you're not in it for the long haul, then at the very least, you should have the decency to break it off completely. Stepping stones are horrible and nobody likes being a stepping stone. So in my opinion... Don't do that to someone. You wouldn't like it if they did it to you. Now, this brings us to a stage that most people don't discuss, and that's the backup. Yeah. This is where you've been dubbed good enough to be with, but not right now. Yeah, you're good enough to keep around just in case things don't work out with someone else, but You're not good enough to be the primary person. I mean, dating you would be silly. This kind of relationship is both cruel and painful, not to mention complicated. Neither party really knows what's going on, but neither of them really wants to let go. There's this strange safety net feeling, which is unfair because nobody wants to be the backup indefinitely. And between you and me, the stepping stone and the backup stages are probably the cruelest forms of stage in the dating game, and they should never be done to anyone. All right, now that we've gotten the horribleness out of the way, we can talk about being the boyfriend-slash-girlfriend. Yes, the coveted Facebook status-worthy stage of being considered boyfriend-slash-girlfriend material. You make it to an official status in this day and age, and it's not an an easy task either. Really, it truly is impressive. This stage is marked by romance and allowing feelings to rule the roost. This is where you take off that dating mask and start to be yourself, and actually allow yourself to care for the person that you've been intimate with all this time. The thing to keep in mind is that getting here doesn't necessarily guarantee that you won't be on the dating scene again anytime soon, or that this is going to lead to marriage. In fact, the one thing that all these stages have in common is what I call a holding pattern called lost in translation. This is that day-to-day miscommunication and misopportunities where we fail to communicate freely with each other. Add in that Most of us keep ourselves closed off and sheltered, regardless of how intimate we've become with another person. The truth is, everyone is afraid to be hurt. And even if we don't say it, we're all worried that someone better might come along and we'll miss our chance completely. Most of the time, you won't have a clue where you are or where you're headed to. You won't know for sure if the person truly cares for you or if you're just amusement. The hope is that with time and maturity, you won't be alone forever. But even as children, none of us get 100% of our needs met. And that's true of each and every one of us. It's a sad truth about growing up, we've all got baggage. Some of us have a little and some of us have a lot whether it is a parent who didn't hold us enough or we didn't get fed regularly enough or a father who wasn't around often or a mother who left us and moved away, being forced to move from school to school as a child and maybe never even having friends. All of these experiences leave their mark and they shape and define us. The way that we bypass dealing with these emotional stresses involved in dating is we disassociate our emotions from intimacy and sex. If we shut off our need for intimacy and connection, then our sexual actions no longer rub up against our emotional maps, and we can greatly diminish the neediness and anxiety we once felt while still reaping that superficial benefit. It takes time and it takes practice, but once disassociated from our emotions, we enjoy the sex and validation of dating without concerns for intimacy, connection, and, in a lot of cases, ethics. Some of the common ways that we disassociate dating from emotions is objectification. Objectifying someone is when you see them only for a specific purpose and don't see them as a fully integrated human being. Sexism. And I don't just mean men being sexist to women. Women can be sexist to men as well. Viewing any sex as inferior or inherently evil and ept is a sure way to redirect your emotional problems outward into the population at large rather than dealing with them yourself. Manipulation in games. Oh, yes. By engaging in games and manipulation, we withhold our true intention and identities and therefore withhold our emotional selves as well. Here's one that I use a lot. (laughs) The overuse of humor, teasing, and bantering. This is a classic strategy of distraction. Not that all jokes or teasing are always bad, but an interaction that contains nothing but jokes and teasing is a means to communicate without saying anything truly important, to enjoy yourself without actually doing anything, and to feel like you know each other without actually knowing anything. Then there's always strip clubs, prostitution, and pornography. That's a way to experience sexuality vicariously through an empty, idealized vessel, whether it's on screen, on stage, or running you 100 bucks an hour. Generally, the more resentment one harbors, the more one will objectify others. Most of us have, at one point or another, disassociated our own emotions and objectified someone or an entire group of people for whatever reason. And I bring this up because I think that honest, open communication is the best way to establish long-term relationships. And that includes sex. It includes romance. It includes intimacy. And that's why everything that you've heard from me always starts and ends with communication. And that's one of the things that dating is lacking these days, is communication. Whew, okay, that was a mouthful. And, yeah, I say that quite often. I'm going to leave that right there for you <laughs> let you think about it. I'm going to let you sit there and think about that and visit with our sponsors again. I'm Noddy Nicole. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina on Renegade Talk Radio, and we'll be back in just a moment. Do
1: you ever walk in and find your husband quickly zipping up his hand? Yeah. Does your husband suffer from chap dick? Then he may be addicted to porno. Mine was, and he left me to go be number 73 in the world's biggest gangbang. Did you know that one out of three marriages are ruined by excessive porno? Shut up, Mine was, right. if you think your husband has a porno habit, help that nasty bastard before it goes too far. The early warning signs are there. Ask him to do a self-exam.
0: If you watch porno before 10 a.m., if you know the name of any guy in porno besides Ron Jeremy, if you can't get aroused unless you hear this, you may be addicted to porno. If you're willing to donate your spine to Larry Flint, if your woman has thrown away all of your porno tapes and you masturbate to The View, if you like your woman to shower in 5-inch pumps, if you think the only way to get your woman pregnant is by shooting sperm in her eye you might be addicted to porno
1: maybe I'm old fashioned but double anal penetration is just not my cup of tea Party pooper. so if you think your husband is addicted to porno please call 1-800 I see your ass today
0: that's 1-800 I see your ass call today we don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome back, listeners. If you're just tuning in, I'm Nani Nicole, and this is Big Trouble in Little Vagina on Renegade Talk Radio. And today, we're doing something a little bit different. We're talking about dating in the new millennium and how to cultivate lasting and satisfying relationships. Now, We've talked about the different stages of dating, and we've even talked about the reasons why dating doesn't work out. Some people find it very easy to fall in love. Others, not so much. We do tend to fall in love with people who meet a certain criteria in our own minds. This subconscious criterion is based on past experiences, relationships with our parents, or even events that have happened to us in our lifetime. Based on each individual's subconscious criteria, the reasons vary from person to person on why it's hard to fall in love. Loving a person can be extremely difficult. And here's just a few reasons why. Probably the biggest on everybody's list is the fear of commitment. It's the most common and biggest reason why it's so hard to fall in love. Fear of commitment. Labels terrify some people. For others, the uncertainty of where a relationship stands is terrifying too. Modern dating has become so ambiguous and confusing, Some couples have commitment issues and they never seem to want to accept the terms of being official. While some are reluctant to discuss labels, others are left with not knowing if that person is actually the right one. Being official can suggest less freedom and less sexual variety. That's why a hookup culture is so prominent in society these these days. It allows minimum time for commitment, minimal emotional attachment, and more opportunities for physical pleasure. That's why some people have a fear of commitment, since it requires attention and dedication. Love requires us to confront our own laziness, impulsiveness, and boredom, and that's hard for some people to do. The next one that's kind of common is a fear of a failed relationship. It becomes so common to see people around us getting screwed over. It's practically impossible to trust someone these days. We've all heard the stories from our friends, families, colleagues, anyone you really know, that relates to some sort of a cheating scandal. As a result, there are major trust issues. While others might feel burdened with insecurity from their partners, others just have the fear of a failed relationship. One that I personally think is far too prevalent these days is superficiality and shallowness. Some people are incredibly shallow and it doesn't help to know that a lot of people care about appearances more when they're looking for a partner. It doesn't make anyone happy and looks fade. So it does make people proceed with extreme caution when they're bombarded with pictures of perfection. Nobody's perfect and you should really look for partners based on personality and intelligence because those are the things that last. Unfortunately Walking out is easier. A relationship does require a lot of time and effort. Some people just aren't willing to put in that effort and would just rather break it off. With this being said, for some people, it's easy to walk out because they know that they have other options. The process of recovery. After falling in love, you have to pick up the pieces from the heartbreak. We become guarded, and our feelings have been hurt in the past, so we build walls. We'd rather not leap into things because we know very well how helpless and awful heartbreak can feel. Giving another person the power to put you through that same pain is never easy. And this is one that I probably suffer from, having high standards. As we grow older, we add more things to our list of what we look for. We understand what we want in personality qualities, physical attraction, values, interests, etc. This makes finding a partner tricky because each person has a certain score for his or herself to determine his or her own worth. When we meet somebody, we tend to point out the negative aspects we see and we tend to focus on these. It's definitely good to maintain standards because you want to be with someone who matches you, your worth, and the goals that you have in your life. But you have to remember to set the standards attainable instead of setting them so high that nobody will ever be able to reach them. If you do, it's only going to result in a constant disappointment. Now some people suffer from other priorities. It's hard falling in love due to societal factors. Adulthood tends to be delayed and now there are more people going to college and grad school and even moving back in with their parents. Starting a relationship requires time, effort, and money. While some would rather focus on school, others would like to be financially stable before committing into a long-term relationship completely understandable. Quite frankly, a lot of people feel that they can afford to wait and rather concentrate on getting their careers off the ground. This one is interesting, the unknown definition of love. For some, love is a feeling of being in the moment, much more than just being loved. For others, love requires a lot of personal growth. Our culture has dismantled this definition of love through the exposure of Disney and Hollywood ideals. When someone doesn't meet that true love standard depicted in the movies, one can be weary of what it means to fall in love. Very few couples lock eyes and just know that they found the one. Seriously, how many times have you been in the park and somebody just bursts into song? I'm just saying. Keep in mind that love might not come as natural or as intensely as it does in the movies. I mean, after all, they're only two hours long, so really they gotta hurry things along. I'm just saying. Not wanting to hurt others. On the other end of the spectrum, some find it hard to fall in love because they've never felt a deep connection with anyone. Dating someone who has gotten really attached to you could make a breakup messy, which makes you want to stay clear of relationships altogether. It's hard not to hurt people, and it's even more difficult dealing with that guilt that comes when you do cause pain to other people. So what does this all mean? Truthfully, dating is hard, and only people who truly know themselves are successful at it. So, my mission for you today is very simple. And it's something that Shakespeare knew was probably the most important thing know thyself. If you're single and still looking, then I suggest that you dig deep and think about the qualities that you truly want in a partner. And I'm talking about the things that last, not looks. Do you want someone who's kind and loyal? Do you need someone who analyzes every situation? Look at your friends. What qualities about them makes them people that you enjoy spending your time with? Then you need to look at yourself. Are you being completely honest with yourself and your partners? And I don't mean are you telling them every little detail about your life before them. I mean, are you being open and honest with what you are saying? Are you playing games? Then you need to look at the type of partner you tend to go for. Are you truly looking beneath the surface? Do your failed relationships show a pattern? Now, for those of you that already have partners, I have a mission for you as well. Did you really think you were going to get off that easy? Come on. You should have known better. I'm just saying. That's right. This is going to be easy for some of you, and for others, it's going to be a little bit hard. But I promise you this it's going to be rewarding. I want you to think back on your relationship. Pinpoint that moment that you knew your partner was the right person for you to be with. Was it the way they smile? Was it a simple comment that they made? What was it that pushed past the booty call into a happy, healthy relationship with this person? Then I want you to sit down with your partner and tell them exactly what it was that made you fall for them. Tell them, Remember when you held my hand when my cat was hit by the car, you stayed by my side and made me feel so safe. That was the moment I knew that you and I were going to be going somewhere. Do they already know? If so, tell them all the reasons that you get up in the morning just to see their face. Well, that's our time for today. I hope you enjoyed the ride today. Maybe you learned something new, and maybe you just liked the ride. And if you did, don't hesitate to let me know. You can find me at my website, www.nicole-delacroix.com, or on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix. If you're enjoying listening to me, then make sure you pick up a copy of my book, Sexual Confessional Confidential Admissions from Social Media, which is available on Amazon.com and other major booksellers. Oh, and it's currently on sale in the Kindle store to celebrate Renegade Nation going live on Google Play. That's right. All right. I want to thank you for joining me for Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to join me next week. Until next time, remember, never, ever let anyone treat you like a yellow starburst. My God, you are a pink starburst, and you are fabulous. See you next time, my little heathens.